Breaker Breaker. This is Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of March 1, 2010. Nice. We got ourselves a healthcare marketing convoy. <laughs> that's a great song. Uh, that's a great movie. C.W. McCall. Is that, is, is that the, uh, was that the song? Was that song in the movie? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, this is a podcast for March 1, 2010. And I am Chris Bevelo, without a southern accent, <laughs> president of president of Interval, the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. And you heard their voices already. We've got Adam. Hey, Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. And we have Jackie. Jackie Rataku, a cone coordinator at Interval. Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to um, rant on the Olympics, but I think it's kind of, I think it's too late. I think the uh, statute of limitations is over for ranting on the Olympics. <laughs> well, they did just end last night. They did, and it was great. I love the Olympics. Are you guys fans of Olympics? Yeah. I, well, I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a casual Olympic viewer. It's on on the TV here all the time, or it was. Um, and I'd catch a glimpse, but I never really sat down specifically to watch certain people or certain events. Mm-hmm. I actually am. Oh. <laughs> I actually am kind of the opposite. My family's a huge fan, and I have an unemployed brother right now, so it's on twenty four seven. So I get updates all the time. <laughs> well, that was my that was the rant I wanted to give is that it's actually not on twenty four seven, which is what annoyed me because NBC oh. was so. 1978 and their coverage is, you know, not showing live things like Lindsey Vaughn's gold medal ski run and things like that. But, but, but let's not, let's not pick on that. I want to pick on something else. <laughs> I was on a plane. <laughs> I was on a plane last night, a long drive to the airport and then a plane ride. And so I missed the entire gold medal hockey game, which from all everything I've read is maybe one of the greatest hockey games ever because of, because of what was at stake um, and because of how it turned out. And so I really wanted to watch uh, what was going on, and I could not get any video because NBC takes everything off of YouTube because they own it, fine, whatever. But to get it off of NBC, you have to use some kind of Windows software to watch it, uh, to watch it, the video on their website, and I refuse, refuse that. Taking a stand. <laughs> yeah, that's a little lame. Considering there are web standards out there they could be using to have something that's proprietary for watching a video online is a little uh a little absurd in this day and age. Yeah, it's 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 kind of the point you, you made before. I'm sure that Microsoft is a huge sponsor, which is why they're doing it, but uh to the point where making money obstructs the product that you're delivering then you've got a problem, and that's totally the case there. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, well, let's Good go on rant. to positive things. Thank you. Did you like that? Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first, what I want to do was invite folks to a webcast that uh, I'm part of on March 31st. Uh, it's put on by Health Leaders Media, and the title is Beyond ROI, Prove the Success of Your Marketing Efforts. And so we're going to spend, I think it's about an hour and then question and answer for a half hour. 
Uh, it's myself and then uh, director of marketing at uh, St. Joseph Hospital in St. Paul, Kimberly Morgan. And we're going to talk about ways to measure the success uh, of marketing efforts. And so uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting webcast because we talk a lot about ROI here on this podcast and, and you know, in our blog and in the Twitter sphere and all that. But what we're trying to do is help folks who, for whatever reason, can't use ROI, mm-hmm. which could be because they don't have the systems in place. It could be because the type of marketing they're doing doesn't lend itself to true financial ROI, which when I say that again, I mean tying directly your effort to utilization of your hospital or um, healthcare services uh, that you could actually tie one to the other and show a direct uh, link. Uh, that's what ROI is all about. So you can prove how much money you actually drove into the organization. You can't always do that. And so if that's the case, what are some of the other ways that you can uh, prove that your marketing efforts and your branding efforts, uh, social media efforts, whatever it may be, uh, will have an impact. So we will put information for that on our show notes, but just want to put that invitation out there. That's later this month. Cool. You guys, you guys will be there, right? Of course. Wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's at noon, Jackie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the moonlight webcast. No, and it's not the seven a.m. webcast. So I think you'll be okay. fine. <laughs> okay. So with that said, I wanted to talk about. Well, I want to talk about a couple blog posts we made over the last week or so. Uh, as much for some of the feedback we got as for what we actually said. Uh, the first one that I want to toss out there is our latest blog post, uh, which is called What We Tell Ourselves is Hooey. And I just love this because, Adam, I don't know. I, dude, I'm sorry I keep picking on you for this because I know you're. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not a fair representation, but you're, you're very adamant in talking about how you feel like probably more than most, and which is a very fair statement, you are not brand loyal or in many ways you're not you've you've talked about uh computers and some other things where you definitely are but things like grocery shopping right where you feel like you know you're you don't really you're not beholden to any one brand over another right um, right so i don't why don't no, it's I, not fair for me to think of you with this kind of stuff <laughs> no i think i think when it comes to certain areas of uh certain products there's definitely i'm definitely brand loyal but yeah i think i think that i i think i have a lot of give in my habits. Um, you know, I'll go where it makes sense, even if, um, you know, even if it's a brand that's, you know, not something I've was loyal to in the past. Right. And in this, in this, this little thing, it really isn't even about that, but I just kind of lump it all in my head. This is more of a, I'm starting to feel a little contrarian to a lot of the discussion that's out there around how, uh, brands and companies and products need to build relationships with their consumers that consumers know, you know, we've talked about this before. They know they no longer want to be sold. All the old right. paths don't work and uh, none of that works anymore. And we're all, you know, uh, very cognizant of what's going on and, and we just won't have it. Right. And so this, this quote is what grabbed me because of course it, it reflects what we believe. And that's because it comes from uh, the, the article is a time article and it's based on work from Martin Lindstrom, who is the author of the bestseller Biology, which we've talked about. Uh, and it's a book that kind of supports this idea that, hey, what people say they do does not correlate with what they actually do do. Mm-hmm. 
I had to get that in there. Sorry. Doo-doo. But <laughs> so here's the quote. This this is how the story starts. If you're like most people, you're way too smart for advertising. You flip right past newspaper ads, never click on ads online, and leave the room during TV commercials. That at least that at least is what we tell ourselves. But what we tell ourselves is hooey. Advertising works, which is why even in hard economic times, Madison Avenue is a $34 billion a year business. So what I like about that is, you know, we go out of our way to talk about when to use advertising and how there's too much um, of the wrong kind of advertising and reliance on advertising and healthcare marketing, right? Right. So, so this is, you know, it's kind of the opposite message saying that, hey, advertising works. What we're trying to find is the right strategic balance here. And this comment and my visceral reaction uh, to it is, is kind of to this over, you know, if, if the pendulum is swinging, it's swinging way too far to the advertising is useless. It doesn't work anymore. You got to build relationships with your, with, you know, consumers because that's what they want from all their products. It's almost gotten out of hand uh, where, you know, old marketing is dead and it's all about this new kind of approach. Uh, and we've been trying to say, look, it's, it's not that simple. Right. So that's what I like right. about it. So what do you guys think? You think that's hooey? That we tell ourselves is hooey? Yes, I do think what we tell ourselves is hooey. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Now, I think, that's awesome. you know, here, here's the thing. And I, I, said that I had a big conversation with my brother recently who's also, uh, he also works in marketing. Um, and we had it on his blog, actually. So you, you could, well, maybe we'll link up the article to where we had this conversation. Um, but, you know, here's the the thing is, I think it's almost I think we're getting to the point where it's kind of irrelevant, even if it is who we because I think that we're 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 entering this era of when we're going to start marketing is just going to be tailored differently. You know, part of the reason that people think they're too smart for average, you know, people, the part of the people think they hate advertising now is because, well, they, they do hate advertising. And it's because they've they've lived a lifetime of of this mass advertising where pretty much 90 percent or 99 percent of the crap that they are mar- that gets marketed to them is for the most part irrelevant to their lives or at least their current situation. Um, but, you know, we're getting to a point now in which marketing can be much more closely tailored to to your to specifics about your demographics, you know, obviously depending on on what the channel is and how much information you're you've allowed for the communicate that communication channel to, to to know about you, like Facebook, for example. You look at the sidebar, you know, I, I could go there now, and there's probably ads that have my specific age there. Um, recently, I've seen things where there's book covers of books that I've specifically read. Um, so you know, my eye goes to it, and it's like, oh, I know that, and you know, it's promoting audio book versions of those or of, of other ones that are similar. Um, so I think I don't know. You know, is I, I think I think that this discussion it, it's still relevant now. But I just think that as we move forward, some of this conversation will become a little bit more irrelevant as we're better able to target people specifically and deliver them messages that they want to hear. I don't think people don't want to hear advertising; they just don't want to hear all the crap that's irrelevant to them. So as we get to a yeah. point in which we can deliver relevant messages that they want to hear, they're going to want to hear it, just like I want to hear it. I want to know right. about new Apple products. I want to know about bands that I like who are playing around the, this area. I want to know when things that I like to buy are on sale. I want to know all of that stuff. I just don't want to have to wade through all the other crap you know, to get to, get to it. So I guess that's my, that's my take on it. It doesn't directly answer the question, but I, you know, I think it's you know, <laughs> just predicting the future, hopefully, because I, th- I think that's where well, we're going. And, and I agree with you. I, and, and you know, I think everything you said is right. I think it, the conversation, though, is still 
you know, you know those are ads. You know there's Google ads on the right side of the page. You know the Facebook ads. You know those are different than other things you see. And and most people's attitudes would still be, even if it's Adam and your point, you know, it's targeted and tailored to you in, in a better way than a mass ad is, that they would still, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be Right, it's not swayed. affecting like me. Like we talked about before. Right. It's not affecting me. I'm right. not going to be swayed by right. somebody's paid efforts to influence me, right. which is hooey. And it's going to be even more hooey to your point, because the more relevant that this stuff becomes and the more targeted it becomes, the harder it will be to actually ignore that kind of thing because you'll feel like it's just for you more so than a mass ad. Right, and so, right. Well, and it's, uh, I think it actually will become more difficult. Yeah, it certainly could be. It's, it would be interesting to see if there's some, some science or some studies behind why people feel that way. If it's just that they, they don't want to admit to being sold to, period, whether, whether they value the information or not, or if it's simply because you know marketing has because of the mass advertising has started to get kind of a and, and things like telemarketing, you know the term has kind of taken a bad rap over the years, um, and people just don't want to admit that they can be marketed to because of that. It's just I don't know. It's interesting to, to it, it, it would be interesting to see if if there's any information on um, why people feel that way. Well. I guess what I would say is the the problem with it is how you find that out is because people say right. they're that, but they, but they, but that's not the truth, right? That's the whole point of what we say is who is. So, right. so you can't, if you they can't say really this, how can that. you even believe? Yeah, you can't <laughs> right. do a survey on it. But but I think you're right. I think you said it before, Adam. There's kind of this backlash of um, since the scandals that have rocked us for like the last 15 years, corporate scandals. Um, big business and business in general, which has always played this role a little bit, is seen in a way that government's being seen right now, right? Right. Uh, big government's evil, big government's bad, tea parties, all that. Well, corporations and big business are lumped in there too. And the last thing a lot of people would ever want to admit is that they're influenced this way. I mean, it's you know, do you really need a study? You know, there's probably more to it, and that's where uh, if you could somehow figure out the truth, it would be interesting to, to validate all that but uh it's it, it's not it's not surprising to think that's how people might respond mm, not well, at no, all i don't i don't look at this stuff this doesn't influence how i buy right. so um i think your whole point about relevant messages and and targeting uh in more sophisticated ways is only going to that's the point of the article too in time by the way is that uh you may think that you're you're immune to it now, but let, let us tell you it's going to get even worse. And, and it's all focused on the use of sound. In that case, it's not even micro-targeting or any of that. It's the power that sound has to influence us. And this is research that they've done using fMRI technology, again, which is what biology is all about, mm-hmm. that shows, hey, you know, we really are influenced by this stuff. And sound is more powerful than sight. Smell is the most powerful yep. trigger of memory. So that's something that could be coming. So Scratch and sniff. I want to see some online scratch and sniff. I don't. <laughs> Maybe some type of a mouse that emits odors when you get to a web page. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye out for the scratch and sniff. All right, let's move on to our last topic, which is not scratch and sniff, thankfully. I think we have a show title uh, now. Though. This is What's that? I said I think we have a show title now, so that's good. Yes, we do. We just found our show, Scratch and Sniff Marketing. Okay, so the last thing we wanted to dive into was uh, a blog post that was earlier in the week 
called Healthcare Branding and the Law of Expectations. And I want to focus mainly on the feedback we got, but let me briefly set it up if you haven't read it. Uh, basically, the post was about a personal experience I had of going in and waiting for uh, an appointment with for my daughter to get a treatment on her foot, an appointment which I've gone through myself personally, the treatment anyway, uh, I've gone through personally. And I know it's about a five-minute deal. They just spray something on your foot. Uh, but uh, it took 45 minutes. We were supposed to be there at 4.30, and we got in. Uh, we got into the doctor's room at 5, and we didn't see a doctor till 5.15, which happened when we were walking out of the exam room because I'd had enough of waiting 45 minutes past uh, the appointment time for something that takes five minutes and right. should be easy to manage, right? right. The, point, the point of the whole blog post was less about that than the fact that this physician's office had a sign up that said, if you've been waiting more than 30 minutes uh, for your appointment, please let reception desk know. And I, I couldn't believe that that was the standard they had set, that basically they were, set, they were telling their customers, uh, it is not unusual for you to wait 20 minutes, 25 minutes. We really don't want to hear from you until you've been sitting there 30 minutes past <laughs> the appointment time. Uh, to yeah, me, yeah. that's sending just... The worst message in the world to your consumers, it's sending a terrible message potentially to your staff because you're basically saying, hey, we can't do any better than this, so let's just ingrain it in stone or in this case plastic and put it on the wall. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the point was, look, if you want people to, to value your brand, you better be setting the right expectations and trying to uh, – you know, people kind of use a reference to a book that said people will rise to the level of expectations you set. So if you're basically setting expectation that, hey, it's okay to be 30 minutes late, that's, that's what your, your staff will use as a standard. Uh, and if you want your customers used as a standard, you're in trouble because there's lots of uh, other providers of care that will step in and, and take away your business. Right. And, that's, and the, right? You know, the ironic thing is that's certainly not a two-way street. You could, you could show up a half hour late and potentially just miss your – not knock it in. Yeah, seriously. So, you know, they're not going to wait on you, but you better be ready to wait on them. Right. So let me read some of the comments because we got a lot of comments. And I was really excited because, you know, whenever you post something like that, you never know if somebody's going to come back and, and, and take you to task for pointing out a negative uh, in our industry. But, you know, that's who we are. And we're here to help people try to get through that. But most of what, all of what we got back was positive. We got Twitter posts. Uh, comments on our blog, and I'm just going to read a couple of those. One from Valerie Hoven that says, uh, this reminds me of a Seinfeld episode where Jerry gives his clothes to the laundromat, and when he returns, the money he had in his hamper is missing, and the laundromat owner points to the sign that says, quote, not responsible for lost or stolen items. Just like the laundromat has a license to steal, the doctor's office has a license to steal our time with signs like that. So I thought I like that reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Here's another one from Randy Bunker, who we know. Uh, this is one reason I make the gas face. Now, he, he says, sorry, bad 1991 reference. I'm not sure what that reference is. Do you know, Adam? Is that a movie reference? The gas face? The, well, I assume I know what he means by it. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, maybe it's a TV or movie. Maybe somebody can find out what that reference is. But I assume it means his face looks like he's... It's not, it's, he's in pain. Uh, so he makes the gas face when he hears that, uh, he hears that employees don't own the brand. I heard this again recently at a conference and promptly pulled out that face. 
I do think that consumers own the brand perception, but employees are so important to creating the experience that shapes that perception. And he's dead on with that. Uh, here's another one that really is encouraging. This is from a CEO. Hi, Chris. Nice post. I'm going over to the clinic to remove that. He's got like this, the comic book swear word thing in there with <laughs> asterisks to move that blankety blank sign immediately. And then he says, it's interesting to change the cultural chasm between changing consumer ex- expectations and the provider focused culture. Another great way to think about it. Yeah. And then one more. This is from Mary Pat Whaley, who who notes, you know, office visits are very difficult to keep on time for lots of reasons, but the biggest one is that many patients refuse to keep their issues and discussions to a 10-minute slot, and then she has in parentheses, tongue-in-cheek. So she's being very sarcastic with that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then what? this is really interesting because it's she's been in the business for a while, and she says, by the way, most practices that have the sign you speak of tell me that it originated years ago when patients did not check in and they just sat down expecting the staff to know them. They put up the sign to encourage patients to come to the front desk. And, and that, may be, that may be very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other thing it makes me think of is that uh, it's to, to remind, you know, there's also the copay sign. Yep. that says copays are due at time of appointment. Right. If you don't know that your copays due at the time of appointment now, um, you just haven't been in for healthcare in the last five years. So right. those are both examples of things that maybe were needed years ago. Uh, but boy, I can't imagine if that's the reason that they're the only reason they're up there that they're needed now. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, no. that and there's just so many. I you mean, agree. <laughs> there's so many signs. I mean, a host, the, the the problem with the healthcare industry in general is just that um, there's this, this, the sign mentality, I want to call it of, of every, of, where they feel like everything needs a sign. You go into a room and there's signs all over everything, whether it's professionally yeah. printed plastic, you know, paneled signs or just pieces of paper that were stuck up saying, whether it's a note to somebody on not to do something with a piece of equipment or a note to that this toilet cannot support more than 500 pounds uh, to whatever. There's just so many signs all over. And it's almost as if, you know, you don't expect anyone to tell you anything anymore because everything is being communicated to you via a sign. Yes. And that's part of, I think that's part of it. I, I hate to call it laziness, but it is kind of, it's taking the responsibility of someone and putting it on a sign. So, uh, you know, why should I tell you I've been waiting for 30 minutes? Why shouldn't you know that Okay, that guy's been sitting there. His appointment was at 4.30. Right. He checked in. I should be proactive and going out there and letting him know there's a delay. I mean, it's, it's taking the responsibility of, of customer service and putting it on the customer. Right. You know? And, and how hard is it to tell people when they check in, your copay is due? If yeah. they don't automatically, like I do, pull out my, <laughs> my ATM card every time because I know. Yep. Um, yeah. th- why can't you just say that? I still walk out without paying my copay, even though that sign's right in front of my face because I still forget. Uh, usually, I mean, for me, with any clinic visit I've had in the last couple of years, it's uh, if I don't, if the copay happens when I walk up to the desk before anything else happens. So for me, I, I don't think I've ever even had the option to not to walk out without paying a copay because it's never something I've done at the end. It's always something that I do before anything else happens. If I were not to pay it, I would not see my doctor. Well, and it's kind of their responsibility to tell you you owe it. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, is, it, it is. It I mean, is, though, I, I guess. Forget. Right, right. But but here's the deal. I mean, if you walked into Starbucks, would there be a sign saying you must pay for your coffee at the time of order? No, no there wouldn't be. I would and need that. Jackie, <laughs> would you, well, you wouldn't need that. You, you don't need that. And I guess I think part of the point is that, you know, I guess you just gave the example, Jackie, that, that blows my idea out of the water. But people need to expect to pay for health care. And, right. and that's part of this cultural problem of, you know, if I don't see a cost, then I'm not going to make the right choices. Well, you should just assume that. And and I think we're closer to that than before. Uh, but, but Jackie, you just killed that idea because you say you would walk in and not pay unless they – or you've done it. You've walked out without paying it because they're not asking you for it. Well, sometimes co-pays are required for me and sometimes they're not, especially when I go to this certain office. So – and sometimes they, <laughs> sometimes they. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it kind of depends on the type of service covered by my insurance. Totally. So, therefore, a lot of times they prompt me, and when they don't, they'll send me a bill in the mail later, and I'll get the bill, and I'll be like, "Oops, that's right, I never." But that's because you're rushed in, and you kind of that. I just need to train myself to think about that. But wouldn't it be nice if they offer? Maybe somebody already offers this. You know, I would sign up for a service that says, "Give us your credit card, your ATM card, whatever card you want." And every time you come in and there's a co-payment applied, we'll we'll apply it. Yeah, I, I would. And all you got to do just keep my card. Yeah, all you got to do is file, charge it when I'm there. Yeah, and and just you know for your here's your here's your you know X Y Z hospital preferred customer card, which you know is also part of you know maybe it's a sticker that goes on your insurance card, and when you give us an insurance card, which you have to do every time, we see that sticker, we won't even ask you for a copay. And if it's if it's needed, we'll apply it. And if it's not, we won't. Right. Then you don't right. even have to deal with that. Well, and there's other benefits to that too. I think you know, I, I do allergy drops, which I've probably talked about before. And when I need to reorder those, you know, I, I typically do it over the phone because it's I either do it over the phone or I go in in person. And I, I know every time I do it over the um, over the over the phone that the person on the other end is just writing it down on a piece of paper. So my, rather than it being secure right. in a system and encrypted. Um, which you know is also not entirely totally safe, but it's much safer than some note cards blown around the office with my credit card number <laughs> and you know security pin on the back of it written down. Right, and I'd way rather do something well, like that instead of getting a bill after the fact. I absolutely hate that. So it's just it's a matter of training myself or figuring out a different way. Definitely. Well, like all things healthcare, there's so much, such a broken system behind it that all of our little solutions probably have some kind of reason why they can't happen, uh, which just points overall to how dysfunctional the system can be. And, uh, you know, I think that the message in all of this is to be really careful about what you're putting out there, uh, what you're communicating, making sure it's relevant, making sure that it's necessary. Uh, There are a thousand things you'd want to tell a patient, but you can't tell them all of that through signs. Uh, and you really got to question how many, how many of those things are really needed. So right. the less of them, the better, uh, and the better expectations you set, uh, the better off you're going to be because people rise to them. So hopefully that'll be the end message people take from this. And, and it'd be great if, um, Tom, the CEO really did go take down that sign. I mean, that would be, you know, if we only, if we only kill one sign from this blog post, <laughs> it'll be worth it. Definitely. All right. Well, we better wrap up. We're pushing our golden 30 minutes. So. Uh, sound like a good place to stop for you guys? Sure. Sounds good. 
All right. So for Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Vertaco. Uh, we will talk to you next week. See ya. Bye.